0: Hello, I'm Luca De Giglio, and this is the Web3 in Travel podcast, where you can learn about crypto, blockchain, and how the new internet will change travel. Today, we are going to talk about custody, which means how to keep your cryptocurrencies and your NFTs safe. And this is a new subject if you come from Web2, because in Web2, you do not have to worry about that. In Web2, everything is custodial, meaning everything is managed by some service, your accounts in an OTA, your Facebook account, etc. You don't custody them. Uh, They custody them for you in their own databases. All you have to remember is a login and a password. And if you lose the password, you can just ask it back, which actually made the whole web a place where you feel safe because whatever happens, you can go back and ask for for access. So Web2 is really safe in terms of losing your access because of your mistake, while it is not safe in terms of losing your access because they don't want to give access to you anymore. As many Russians are learning in these days, If the centralized service doesn't want you anymore, you're out and you lose everything you had. Because Web2 is fully custodial. So let's learn this word. This term is going to be very common in Web3. It's custodial. Web3 has also custodial services. And we're going to get to this later into this episode. But the big difference is that Web3 gives you the option. You can choose to custody your assets or you can choose to have somebody else take care of them. And you can make this decision based on the specific use case. So let's see what we have today in Web3. Um, We have at the very end, left end of the spectrum, we have the super centralized services like, let's say, Coinbase. Coinbase is a Web2 company which sells you and lets you sell and buy cryptocurrencies. You do not need to have a wallet with them. You just need to have a Classic traditional account, you get in, you send your money through uh, the bank or through the credit card, and you buy some, let's say, Bitcoin, which later you can sell or, or transfer. Soon, through Coinbase, we will be able to purchase NFTs and sell them too. But we are never forced to get a wallet. We can, on the other hand, withdraw our cryptocurrencies or our NFTs. We just have to put our wallet and send it from the centralized, de- I have to say this, decentralized service like Coinbase to our decentralized system, which is the wallet. So we have an exit. We have uh, an option always to take care, take custody of our own assets. Compare this to any Web2 company where, you know, you cannot really export your reviews from, from Booking.com, for instance, So you cannot export your account or any kind of asset you might have there. It stays connected to the centralized service. So that's the main difference between the centralized web 3 service like Coinbase and the centralized Web2 service like an OTA. With OTAs, there's no exit strategy. You are completely married to the system and uh, there's no way to kind of get out of it. So Coinbase or Binance or others are at the very left end of the spectrum of self-custody versus custodial services. And on the other end, there's the wallets. So I have a wallet where I keep my Bitcoin and no one can touch them. They are completely in my ownership. There is no company or government which can click some buttons and take away my Bitcoin. They, the only way to do that would actually to come physically and take away my wallet, and I may still have a copy, a backup copy of the seed, so I would probably still have access to it, even if the wallet itself has been taken away from me. So is self-custody, as in my wallet, better than centralized custody, as in custodial services? I wouldn't give this kind of answer because it depends on the use case. There are pros and cons in both approaches. There are hybrid approaches. But at the end of the day, it depends on you and what you have to do with these things. Let's start with an example with Bitcoin. Now, should you keep your Bitcoin in a self Custodial wallet, or should you keep it on a centralized exchange? Again, I don't think the answer is very clear. A few years ago, I would have said keep it in your wallet because exchanges always get hacked. So getting your Bitcoin lost on the centralized exchange was just a question of when you would lose them. That was at the really beginning, right? And the whole industry has been traumatized. But what happened at the beginning with the Mt. Gox? where the only Bitcoin exchange got hacked and everything was basically lost. But things have changed. Things have changed because if you self-custody your Bitcoin, your risk goes from the exchange getting hacked to you mostly losing the private keys. This is the most common thing. Or you getting hacked. Now, to be clear, Bitcoin itself, the Bitcoin protocol, has never been hacked so the risk of somebody breaking bitcoin itself and taking away your bitcoins very very low the risk of you losing your keys pretty high the risk of you having your keys stolen by somebody else also existent so self-custody doesn't mean no risk it means now you are responsible and the risk is all on your side And we're talking about Bitcoin itself. So the next question should be, why do you have Bitcoin? What's your strategy with them? So let's say that your strategy is like, I want to have some value kept for the very long term. I will touch them maybe in 10 or 20 years. Okay. In that case, probably the best way is to actually self-custody them and put your keys in a very safe place and never touch them again rather than keeping them on an exchange. And who knows what happens in 10 years? You know, maybe exchanges will be banned. Maybe you won't be able to access your Bitcoin until you prove how you made the money to buy them. You know, 10 years is a very long time frame. So you don't want to be exposed to the political risk in a way of of how money is going to work in the future if you're trading on the other way, if you buy bitcoin now because you think it's low and you want to sell it when it goes up, I don't know, 50%, well maybe keep it in the exchange. The exchange is pretty safe. Um you're probably are thinking about a few months or a year or two years time frame, then you can sell it at the right time and you close your trade. Actually, you can even put automatic sales orders, so when the price touches a certain limit, it automatically sells it. So you see there is never a clear answer here. It really depends on you, what you're holding, why you're holding it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So as in the last couple of months, we've seen, we've seen things we, we were not really expect to see in, in such a quick order, right? We've seen Canadians having their bank account shut because they participated to a protest or because they helped a the protest. We've seen Russians not being able to withdraw money from the bank. We've seen Ukrainians not being able to withdraw money from the bank. So the whole banking system is now showing that what Bitcoiners have been saying forever, your money in the bank is not your money. It's an IOU, which basically means the bank has to give them back to you if they can, if they want, if they have it. So this is a moment in which you would say, okay, great, let me have some money out of the banking system. Even in Western, Western Europe, in Asia, and even, even in countries where there are no problems today, you may want to have some of your wealth stored not in a bank account, not in the financial system. Just because, you know, things could go wrong and you want an edge, a backup. And I'm talking about money here, right? Just just as an example, because Bitcoin is what started everything. But if you think about it, this is not very different from your strategy as, let's say, a hospitality business in which you say, okay, all my bookings come from OTAs. This is easy, it's comfortable, but it's not safe. So I need to get more direct bookings. Direct bookings is the self-custody, in a way, of your business. Because if you are the platform from Airbnb or booking, or simply they stop working for you, while well, you have these core organic booking channels. And this is exactly the same dynamic. It's about not having complete reliance on third-party services. And as direct bookings are not easy, it's much easier to get your booking from an OTA, self-custody, it's not easy but they are safer in certain kinds of environments. In general, it's always good not to rely completely on third parties. So will you use self-custody or centralized custody services? We will use both because there are things which are better dealt with a centralized service and others which are better dealt in a self-custody manner. To sum it up, self-custody is risking to lose your keys or risking somebody stealing your keys custodial services is the risk of losing access to the platform now in general centralized services are much easier to use because they rely on an infrastructure which is the web2 infrastructure which has a lot of had a lot of time to improve has established practices, Um, people are used to certain kinds of interfaces. So centralized services will always feel easier and faster to use, but they are limited in their use cases. That's where I think the self-custody approach will win in the long term. There are things you simply cannot do with centralized services, like logging with Web3, for instance, in referring to the previous episode cryptocurrencies web3 where everybody is not custodying their own assets so where everybody is giving their assets to a centralized service like an exchange or in the future like a web3 centralized ota it's actually breaking the whole system why because these systems the decentralized blockchains rely on people having assets under their own custody, and being able to vote on certain decisions. In Bitcoin, for instance, if every Bitcoin was in three different exchanges, they would actually own the whole thing. And that would completely kill the resilience of these systems. You would actually be using bank central bank money in, in a way. Because if Binance, Coinbase, and FTX have all the Bitcoins in circulation, even if they keep them for you, but they have them, and there is a fork and there's somebody say, okay, uh, they could agree to say, let's make 100 million Bitcoins instead of 21 million. They could simply vote. You, you would not have any way to go against it apart from selling them. And then if everybody sells them, the price crashes. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all the decentralized cryptocurrencies rely on people holding or most people holding their, their tokens and their coins. So while there is space for a certain number, a certain percent of centralized custodial services, it cannot be 100%. And as these systems become more important, the risk of them getting co-opted increase. Co-opted means basically somebody taking over and taking control. If and when Bitcoin becomes the money layer of the world where you know the only layer where money is actually free and it's not inflated by central bankers and politicians and as it becomes clear that it cannot be stopped then the next step is co-option it means okay we we, we cannot kill it but we can control it which is what happened to the internet itself very clearly in China less clearly in the western world but the instinct of governments is always towards control. So there are always attempts to to control it. In the West, the internet has been not co opted in the sense to controlled, but surveilled. So everything we do on the internet is basically um somebody's looking at it. So we don't have any any real privacy anymore. So co option is a risk for Bitcoin, is a risk for Ethereum, is a risk for any travel related decentralized service. And once a system is co-opted, especially a decentralized system is co-opted, it's basically killed. It becomes something which was good for the people to something which is actually very good for people who want to control people. So it becomes another tool in the hands of authoritarian systems. So co-option being always a risk, decentralization and self-custody is the way to go in general. To explain this in a simpler way, if all the servers existing on the internet were, I don't know, 10, one per country, 10 countries with, with control over the internet, you wouldn't have the internet you have today. You would have a public broadcasting system very close to television in the in the 70s and 80s, right, where nothing gets published unless it's been approved. And none of the innovation we are enjoying so much today on the internet would have ever happened. You wouldn't have seen blogs, for instance. You wouldn't have seen not even social networks because the instinct of governments was to basically, and always has been to control the flow of information. But because the internet started really decentralized and small, it was allowed to innovate. And when it became bigger, it started being co-opted. But It was too late to stop certain kinds of innovation. The same thing is for cryptocurrencies. They start small. Nobody cares about them. People do any kind of experiment without worrying about the legal aspects. And then you get this innovation. You get DeFi. You get NFTs, etc. As they grow, they have to adapt to the regulatory framework. They have to adapt. They have to defend themselves from co-options. And they they become a really different thing in the long term. And in order not to be completely changed, people have to keep custody of their assets. So when you choose self-custody over custodial services, you're choosing to keep the web tree as it should be, uh, to keep it innovating and fresh. When you go centralized and you don't want to take care of your own assets, you're kind of voting for a more controlled environment, less innovation, more, I would say, false security, but you know, a more like mainstream, uh, edu safe place for kids. And you're also choosing to be treated like a kid and not like an adult. Having said that, basically, the whole crypto Web3 space could not exist in a centralized system. It has to be decentralized. At least to a certain level. What can we do today in terms of custody in trouble? Well, today, because there's no wallet adoption, there's not much we can do in trouble. If you want to do a business with Web3 in trouble, well, then you have to build a system where the assets are kept by a centralized service. So you build a system and you keep the custody of the assets for your users always giving the option to you know withdraw them and, and use a uh, decentralized wallet to access your services and today in travel that's of course my opinion my reading of the situation i may be wrong today in travel we cannot even build an open sea for web3 assets let's say you want to build a booking system where the booking the night you book is an nft You can't really build an OpenSea for that because most people, both the supply side and the guests, do not have the wallets. An OpenSea, yes, it's a centralized company, but it doesn't custody your NFTs. You have to have your own wallet. So today, if you want to have an NFT marketplace in travel today, in my opinion, you have to do the Coinbase of travel. Okay, you booked the night, it's an NFT perfect. You can sell the NFT if you don't want to go. You can speculate on it, but I'll keep them for you 100%. You don't need a wallet, which also allows the supply side to participate into this market without having to train the whole stuff and and have experts on decentralized systems. They can just go log in in a web2 manner and sell their nights for NFTs without ever touching a wallet. And so guests would be able to book a night, they would be able to withdraw the NFT and put it maybe on OpenSea or sell it in the same system you built. Today, 2022, I would think that's the way to go. Is it ideal? Not really, because let's say that you do something successful and it starts producing bookings and it starts becoming a good alternative to the OTAs. Well, you are the new OTA because now you're holding the user's assets, the Knights, with a big difference here. These are NFTs and any user can actually withdraw them. So you do not have the kind of power OTAs have, which is already a step ahead in the right direction. It is not the final direction. It's not the final goal. It's not the complete decentralized system we all want, but it's already a good step. Now, will we ever get to a completely decentralized system? Environment with everybody owns and keeps and custodies their assets. No, we won't get there anyway. We haven't got there in cryptocurrency exchanges. Yes, we were in a situation where 100% of exchanges, you know, of, of trades were on centralized exchanges, to a situation today where decentralized exchanges have grown a lot. I don't have the last numbers, but in some kind of um, assets, they are even higher than centralized exchanges. And centralized exchanges are becoming more and more just fiat on-ramp and off-ramps. You use them because you need to get your euro or dollars or pound or whatever in and out. So the trend is very clear. The centralized systems are growing and in many use cases are better. But are Binance and Coinbase and the others going to die? No, they are not. Because there is value in the custodial services they offer, not only in the fiat on and off-ramps. But the trend is important. So the trend is more and more people with wallets, and easier to use wallets, safer wallets, and as more people get self custody, more use cases can can arise. So, as I was making the example with logging with Web3, where you don't actually hold any asset, you just logging with Web3, it's not possible if you keep your assets on a centralized exchange. So here you have a use case which needs self custody and many services many protocols and things we will be able to do in the web 3 travel space will need you to self custody so there are, there's going to be a moment in which you say i feel more comfortable if my assets are kept by somebody but i can't do this thing unless i have my wallet and you will get a wallet so while yesterday i think the best way is to have a centralized service Tomorrow, we are going to see the raise of OpenSea-like systems in Web3 and Travel, where the company is centralized, very efficient, and very quick in changing things with a very uh, focused governance. But the assets are not managed by this company. So people interact with OpenSea only with wallets. And after that, much later, we're going to have completely decentralized services where even the platform itself is decentralized like Uniswap or other decentralized exchanges. So the trend is going in that direction, but the end result probably will be a mix of super centralized, hybrid, centralized like OpenSea and completely decentralized systems like Uniswap in travel. And each one of them is going to have their moment of glory according to the moment in, in the market, basically according of How many people in percent hold wallets? But the real big innovation is going to happen at the end of this process. Because again, when people have their assets in their wallets, you can do things which are not simply even conceivable in centralized systems. So as you can see, it's really easy to make the, the wrong move because it's a great move at the wrong moment, right? Like today, you want to build a completely decentralized system for bookings, well, good luck with that. Uh, we tried this in trips at the beginning and we realized very quickly it was too early. You want to build a super centralized service? Great. Maybe you build it today. It works for a while. It doesn't give maybe the all the advantages of the decentralized system. So maybe it won't pick up because the OTAs are still better. The OTAs are the best at playing the centralized game, right? So you try to play a centralized game with. Um, digital assets, maybe the market is not going to answer. Or let's say that the market says, great, it works. And then it works for a few years. And then hybrid systems like OpenSea work better. And you are too centralized and you will go down. Or maybe we're going to go straight to the completely decentralized systems because the the whole technology has evolved. It's really hard to time the market here because it's changing very quickly. But the direction, the overall direction is, is pretty clear. So how will the travel industry go about that? Of course, I don't know, but I can make some predictions here. So first of all, we're going to have these traditional Web2 startups trying to get into the Web3 space. And by Web2 traditional startups, I mean, you know, a couple of people who raise money from investors and start to build, try to build something useful and as they come from a very uh, centralized mindset they will try to build something which makes money for their business and for their investors and in terms of custody they will probably go for the custodial services they will custody the digital assets for the customers because it makes sense also they will probably have this skeuomorphic uh, a- approach which is like what can we build which already exists a bit better with Web3 rather than the unconceivable things we will have we will see in the future, right? This kind of innovation belongs to the other end of the spectrum. It belongs to those who will build completely decentralized systems. And you have to remember, Coinbase or OpenSea are these kinds of companies. They come from Y Combinator. They don't come from anywhere else. They come from the same incubator which created Airbnb or Dropbox, right? So we will see a lot of investment on these kind of models and a lot of experimentation. Also, it's innovation. It's not the extreme innovation, but it is innovation. And I think these same companies are going to build the open sea of travel. They're going to create a service made by the company, not by a DAO. Okay, companies are still much more efficient for centralized services. And then they may say, okay, you know, the, the custody should be self-custodial. So people have their own wallets and we are not going to keep them for them. So they're going to do, again, the, 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 the same thing OpenSea did. And at the same time, we will see DAOs experimenting on the other side of the spectrum, experimenting with complete decentralization. So decentralization in the decision making the decentralization in the asset management the decentralization in the treasury complete open protocols called public goods so they're going to build software they don't own which everybody owns and this personally is, is the most exciting for me because I'm mostly excited and interested in real you know real disrupting um, innovation here But there is space for everybody here. There is space for the Web2 companies which want to upgrade to Web3. There is space for the completely decentralized mindset. So it's really up to you. If you want to build something in this space, build what you like to build, build in the way that you are used to build, and just trying to time the market. And as I was saying, now is the moment for centralized services dealing with digital asset in a custodial manner. This is your time if you are this kind of person. But don't get comfortable because things are going to change pretty quickly. So probably flexibility is the most important asset today in this space. And if you build something successful in this way, look at the real disruptors. They are there. They're just waiting for people to get their wallets and they're going to change everything again. So again, don't get too comfortable if you build something centralized in Web3. And for how the world is going in this last couple of years, we need more than ever decentralized services, which keep running under every condition. Because if things keep going in this direction, and I hope they don't, they will, we're going to see services which work in certain countries, people who have access to things and people who don't have access to things they may need, I mean, we've seen this kind of balkanization already in the financial industry where most people in the world cannot play with it, cannot access it. And this is going to go farther in other platforms. So we, we tend to think like Facebook works everywhere. And then we learn that basically it doesn't work in China. And then we're going to learn that it doesn't work in Russia. And then they're going to build other systems and everything is getting fragmented. Okay while the centralized systems have this basic property which is global and open by design now we could get political and say well we need systems to be shut down if somebody is not acting properly but we won't go there so web3 allows for much higher resilience than web2 and my personal guess is we are going to need them and they're going to be very very precious in the coming years So to sum this up, you as a person, what is your call to action after this podcast? Well, you already know how to deal with uh, centralized custodial services. You've been doing this for the last 10 years at least. Learn also to have self-custody of your private keys. It's going to open you new possibilities and you're probably going to need them anyway in in the future. So Get your wallet if you haven't got one. Get used to it. Experiment with different wallets. Careful, not, don't put too much money into it. Learn this technology. This is going to be the basic technology, basic interfaces you're going to use in the future. So it's a good time to start. All right, this is the end of today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. For more insights on Web3, follow me on Twitter at Tripluca, T-R-I-P-L-U-C-A, and see you next time.